Mini episode 1497 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to FDH Lounge mini-episode 1497. This is FDH Managing Partner Rick Morris here. And we have back on with us a friend of the show who we've had on previously to talk about the world of hockey, where he has been uh, an executive, as he has in baseball and other sports. And this gentleman has now leveraged his background and his knowledge of the world of hockey and all of the intricacies of it and all the great weirdness and all the things that make hockey so lovable on so many different levels. And he has produced a really, really excellent novel. Uh, it's called Skate or Die, and uh, it's one of these things where uh, you just you really can't put it down once you start reading it. Uh, there is the, uh, the quote on the back of it from Hanson brother Dave Hanson about how it's uh, like Slapshot on steroids, and uh, I think for anybody that uh, reads the book, I think they would very much agree. It is a great story. It's subtitled The Last Voyage of the Iceman, and it is a story about a fictionalized story about the Charlestown Iceman and the last campaign that they end up having, a minor league team that is about to go defunct after the season, and uh, everything that unfolds along the way, all of the weird, wonderful tales that you can only get from a hockey locker room, and uh, it's just a really, really amazing read. So with all that being said, we bring back on the show a great friend of the show, Stephen Violetta. Stephen, congratulations on the book. Welcome back to the FDH Lounge, sir. How are you today? You know what? I'm doing great, and uh, glad to be back on the show. Thanks the kind words about the book and uh it's coming off a great stanley cup playoff run this year too it's fun to watch and uh, i encourage people to get the book and read it between periods so hopefully we sold a few yes very much so hopefully and uh, i will say uh as i'm rocking a red wings shirt of course a team that you used to work for uh again uh not a real fun outcome for me uh in watching uh, colorado uh, go over and uh it was one of those things where uh, I was rooting for uh, Tampa Bay just because of how much I loathe the Avs. And uh, much like in the NBA, uh, being a lifelong Cavs fan, seeing Golden State have to get it done uh, there. Golden State and Colorado winning in the same summer. Thank God for your book and the other fun diversions of life, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? The Red Wings are a great brand. And uh, Stevie Y is going to lead them back to, to glory. I'm positive of that. And if you look at the Tampa team that, that made it to the finals again and, uh, you know, got knocked out, of course, by Colorado. But they won the previous two Cups. That's a lot of Steve Weiserman's guys on that team. That's his team he put together. So give him some time in Detroit. You'll do, you'll do good there. It is. And I joked about that when it was happening, that it is sort of uh, in disguise a little bit since Steve E.Y. is no longer there. But it is sort of like the next Steve Weiserman versus Joe Sackett confrontation, much like we saw 20-plus years ago, because like you said, the team building was done this time around with those two teams by those two men. And uh, yes, I am confident as a Red Wings fan uh, for this. And uh, again, I had uh, commented to you off-air that uh, hopefully your book is getting a uh, really good 
uh, benefit of, of being in a hockey moment, if you will, here uh, with the uh, Letterkenny spinoff Shorzy, I think, being a pretty good hit on Crave and Hulu this past May when it came out. So that's one of those things where uh, timing is everything. And uh, to get in a shameless plug uh, for, of another one here, if I may, so myself, Russ Cohen, Ben Chu with our book, the top 75 players in pro basketball history. We knew what we were doing on that one. We were trying to jump on the gravy train of that uh, happening at the time. We knew that was happening for you. I think this is just a very good beneficiary, a really excellent book, a book that's in the same vein as that very great TV show here for people like me that were looking for something after that that are just dying for season two. Uh, boy, what a great thing to fall into your lap in the meantime here. This book and documenting hockey culture and all the weird, wonderful, funny, and amazing things that come with it. You know, it's, it's interesting you mentioned Shorzy and Letterkenny because I actually started to write this book in Edmonton when I was working for the Oilers as senior vice president. You know, COVID hit, and we were meant to work out of our houses. We didn't have a lot to do, obviously. But for years and years and years, Rick, I told stories from my years in the minor leagues and with major league teams, players doing stupid things, coaches doing stupid things, owners, fans. And I tell these stories with friends and family, and they'd all laugh. And, you know, for years they said, you should write a book, you should write a book. So maybe 20 years ago, maybe a little bit more, I started just throwing all these stories into a Word document when they happened. And they had no rhyme or reason. There were a hundred different anecdotal stories in this Word document. And they were, you know, some on the ice, some off the ice. They were all true, though. And then COVID hit. And I said, you know what, I'm going to make a run of this book. So I created a fictional league, created a fictional team, uh, the Charlestown Iceman. I created a fictional playoffs, regular season training camp. And I, I plugged in all the fictional stuff, the players and coaches. And I wove the anecdotal true stuff around that. So as you read the book... A lot of the pranks the players pulled on each other, stuff that happens on the road, trash talk during the games between players. All that was stuff that I was pretty much there for or, or heard from somebody else. So it's this interesting combination of real-life stories, uh, anecdotal stuff, and, and a fictional uh, playoff run. I, uh, I, I call it, for the old fans listening, uh, I call it ball four meets slap shot. It's told in that diary form over the length of a season by the veteran player assistant coach. And uh, it was a labor of love. I was able to work some family names in there as I went along. So uh, the first five or six chapters went pretty quick. And then I kind of hit the wall. But at, at the end of the day, as I like to tell people, it's uh, 10 chapters, 194 pages, and 163 F-bombs. So it's, it's not for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. And that's, uh, you, you, you left me a couple of different avenues there for asking you a follow-up question, but I'll settle on the last one here uh, to start with, and that being that uh, it, it is a very uh, realistic telling, and, and I say this as somebody who's been around hockey uh, locker rooms myself, uh, I never played, but I've been around them a lot, uh, the colorful underbelly of the sport. Is that a nice euphemistic way of putting it? So whether it be the puck bunnies or any of the other kind of stuff out there, too, uh, just a great, fun telling of all the different things that are part of hockey culture because, let's face it, not every part of that is going to be G-rated. No, you're exactly right, and I think that's a good way to describe it. The um, It reeks of authenticity is what I've been told by more than one person. In the first uh, manuscript I sent to the publisher, my publisher, Page Publishing, they um, 
they shot back immediately with, well, you're going to get sued if you publish this. You can't say this about people. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's all fictional. All the names are fictional. There's not one real name in there, you know? Mm-hmm. So they, they thought it was so real to them, they thought it was actual, you know, uh, you know, a, a, a nonfiction book. Wow, that's incredible, and what a uh, testament to what you put into the uh, book here. Now, this is one of these things where, and I say this as somebody where, I have written fiction, not in the form of a, of a novel such as this one, but other forms of it. So as far as the whole process that goes behind it, I'm kind of familiar with it as well, and uh, how you develop these characters. And uh, I used to think I was a hack, quite frankly, because I developed so many characters based off of other people, and then I found out that's how it's commonly done, because uh, I thought that people that were more inventive than me were inventing characters out of whole cloth, and that actually rarely happens. So whether it be your protagonist, the aforementioned player assistant coach, Victor Barzini, or anybody else in here, how did you go through the process of matching up uh, different people you were thinking of over the year in your head to the characters that were are in this novel? You know, that's a great question, Rick. And, you know, I, I really fell back on my, on my nine seasons I spent in the minor leagues, and I started picking pieces of guys that I remember uh, and there were, you know, there was the All-American College Championship Hoagie Baker winner goaltender type of guy who was the great white hope. There was always the puck-moving French defenseman. Um, there was the disgruntled guy who was down in the minors, thought he should have been in the NHL, and he, and he mopes around until somebody inspires him to, you know, to step up his game. There's the, the, the veteran tough guy. Uh, uh, you know, it is there for one role and one role only. There's the, the, the senior leaders who are content with being uh, fairly well compensated minor league hockey players, but they know they're never going to get uh, another snip in the big leagues. And then I even, you know, in today's day and age, I even wove in there, uh, you know, a, a young uh, Canadian uh, from uh, Nunavut, uh, an, an Aboriginal that take some of the abuse, take some of the bullying that a lot of kids take nowadays and how he responds to it, how he, how he steps up to it. So it was, you know, then that's based on a, on a guy I knew years ago as well. And, um, you just take a little bit of pieces from guys that you knew over the years. And that includes coaches and the, uh, the, the head coaches, I'll say it, uh, kind of modeled after my friend, Rick Dudley, the old Buffalo Sabre, mm-hmm. uh, kind of modeled after him and uh, you know the the, the uh, concessions guys and the merchandise guys at the arena are all guys I worked with so there's a little bit of everybody in that book that's touched my life over the years well and it's impressive that you were able to do that the way that you were but there's a part of this again I feel as somebody who's written some fiction that I think was even harder than that because you touched on this before as far as the uh, the background of the team uh, in Charlestown and uh, fitting into the fabric there. I was super impressed with the level of just microscopic detail you were getting down to, such as when you're talking about the business climate in the town and things that drove the team essentially to be in its last year of uh, business, uh, when you started even mentioning things in there like the influence of Chinese government money coming into the town and things like that. So, I mean, the level of world building that you did in this thing here. Yes, there was a lot of things that you were able to reference from your time in hockey, but I just want to point out to everybody, 
you went way beyond that in terms of setting up the fabric of this, the, how the team fit into the local society and all the different pieces in, in place there. Uh, that had to really have taken some research on top of everything you had in your head already. It, it did take some research, and fortunately I had the time uh, when I was writing the book to, to dig into it a little bit more and do the Chinese immigration visas in return for Chinese investment money in certain projects. And that's a true program. You can look that one up online. That's a real program. But the heart of it is, you know, the Charlestown Icemen are going into the 38th year, and they know they're done at the end of the year. Owner tried to sell the team, tried to move the team, had no luck. This isn't the movie Slapshot where there's some hope that they're going to move. These guys know this is it. This is their last year. And you think back to towns like New Haven and Providence played a role in my thinking here. A lot of these towns that had hockey, minor league hockey for, you know, 50 years in some cases like New Haven. And, you know, now it's just not there anymore on any kind of level. And uh, it's kind of a homage to that too, to the, to the great American League teams that have passed through some of those eastern cities. Yeah, because they have really fit into the fabric of those towns very well uh, during the times when they were able to thrive. And as you point out, uh, in some instances, that is no longer able to be the case, uh, as it is in this fictional instance here where this team is going to be done at the end of the year. And I'm glad you mentioned what you did there, because I intended to ask you about it in the follow-up, and that being that whatever we want to trace this back to, regardless of sport, it, it always seems like whenever it's any kind of underdog story, people always invoke Rocky. Uh, so that always, and that seems to have set the template for uh, the team rising up, coming together, and eventually triumphing in the end. And I know neither one of us wants to spoil the ending of this thing here, but suffice it to say, you wrote this thing in terms of the plot of it in a completely unsentimental way. I mean, so the ending perfectly makes sense, I will say, with everything that came before, without giving away anything there. And uh, your ability to, to go through this here and to write with that lack of sentimentality, I think, is one of the things that sets this project apart, because uh, too many times people are afraid to deviate from the formula and, and make it a sentimental thing and just to kind of whitewash any of the rough edges and everything like that. You're, you, you were really telling a story in a realistic sense because of that, I felt. Yeah, I'll be honest with you, Rick, this, this book is so realistic of the life of a minor league hockey player back in those days and what, what their life was like and on the buses and, like you said, with the girls are always running after them, and et cetera, et cetera. And let's face it, they're all 22, 25-year-old guys, if not younger, single, making money. So, you know, you know where that can go when you're on the road. But anyway, it's, it's so true to life and so just impartial sitting back telling the story and not – not saying whether this is good or bad. I'm not giving an opinion, but this is how it was. It, it, it's so real. When I gave uh, my mother her copy, I thought about redacting some of it with a Sharpie, and then I didn't want to ruin the book. <laughs> so what I did was I took yellow stickies and went through the book and actually put yellow stickies over several parts of it. And then I put a note on there, hey, Mom, turn to page 83, skip this part. <laughs> now, you know she read it. because That's just like telling the kid, hey, don't push that button when I'm out of the room. You know they're going to push the button, right? So right. Well, and, and I liked a lot of the uh, more subtle humor that was in uh, the book here as well. Uh, things like uh, so, me being a lifelong resident of America's North Coast, apparently my hometown team is nicknamed the Steamers in here. So <laughs> that's not a reference everyone's going to get, but I got it and uh, I loved it. Two two points for that one, Stephen. <laughs> Well, it's like I said, when I started writing it, I was writing it for like 10 people, right? Friends and family. And, you know, even the North Jersey teams called the house painters. 
And if you've seen the movie The Irishman, you yes. understand what that means as well. Oh, that's an excellent point. A yes, absolutely. I mean, I didn't put two and two together on that till you mentioned it now. But yeah, no, good point there. And uh, it, it's it's really interesting because it, it in a way, I'm guessing it probably kind of helped you as far as making this a viable project because everybody's got to have in their mind what the target audience is as they're going to write something. And you might have literally been thinking of those 10 people, but I got to believe that the way that this book came out, they essentially, I would guess, served as a very good sort of focus group for you and, or, or a microcosm, if you will, of the target audience. Oh, there's no question. You know, I let a couple of my female friends read the manuscript before it got published. Because let's face it, there's some instances in the book where the hockey players don't treat the women that are in that scene with as much respect as they should be treated with. And I'm not saying that was the right thing for the players to do because it wasn't, but that's the way it was. That was the truth. But anyway, I let a couple of my female friends read it, and, um, and, and they understood completely that, hey, it's a story. It's fiction. That was the mentality, perhaps, back in those days. You're talking the 80s. You know, it's a lot different now. So I knew I knew if I could pass the uh, pass the test with a few of the a few of those people as a uh, as a, 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 review, a review group, that you know, uh, I was happy to plow ahead with. Absolutely, yeah. It's always good to get uh, different eyes on a project, and yeah, that can be beneficial when you start to incorporate some of that kind of feedback. But yeah, all in all. It just seemed like it was uh, a really wonderful story and something that uh, if we hearken back to uh, Shorzy or even Slapshot, any of the other things in the genre here, any of the things that really capture the unique world of hockey, and that being the whole thing that whether it happens immediately with a team, which it generally doesn't, or eventually, that sort of unique sense of camaraderie that you get within a hockey locker room and, and how that's an integral part of the tale. And that, among so many other things, was something you captured very well. Well, and I lived through that. You know, I played hockey as a kid growing up in Detroit, played through uh, midgets. And matter of fact, I was at a wedding over the weekend, last weekend, where the guy that, uh, I won't ruin the ending, but the guy who passes the puck, I won't say for which team, passes the puck to set up the game-winning goal in the playoffs, actually a guy I played uh, band of Midgets with, and we got a chance to talk about it. And the funniest thing, Rick, we're at this wedding. I haven't seen the guy since high school, you know, mm -hmm. and we're at this wedding talking. And he goes, hey, can I ask you a question? Because he knew he was that character in the book. I said, yeah, yeah, sure. He goes, I brought a copy of the book with me. Would you autograph it for me? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, of course I will. I mean, come on, you know, so. But it was, it was you know, it's just something like that. And, You've been published before. This is the first time I've I've ever been published, and it was so surreal the day the package from the publisher arrived, and my copies, my free copies, as the author, were in that box, and it was so surreal to open up that box and see all those books in there, where they actually have a cover and they actually have you know binding on them, and when all you've looked at is a computer screen for a year and a half or so, to all of a sudden see it as a real book was was it was mind blowing to put it. Absolutely, yes. Uh, I can relate to that, and uh, our friend Russ Cohen can uh, really relate to that because he's had it happen ten times now. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, I, I got to believe it never gets old. It's got to be one of those things where you know, no matter how many times you've done it, it probably never gets old. But uh, yes, this was uh, just really an excellent read, an entertaining read. It's something that allows you to 
uh, dig a little bit deeper into the world of hockey than something like, again, like, like I said before, if there's anybody who is uh, sort of freshly into the world of hockey from watching Shorzy and uh, enjoying it there, this is something that is able to give you a deeper dive uh, than a sitcom is able to do by the very nature of it. So it, it's something where it, you really get immersive into this world of it. And uh, I just think, again, from, from all of your experiences, uh, Steve, and all the locker rooms and everything that you've been in over a period of time, uh, again, just really, really bringing it to life successfully here. I, I really, really believe that, and I'm sure everyone who uh, reads it feels the same way. You know, I, I'd like to think people will see it as a love story. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love hockey. Hockey's given me all my opportunities in life to, to my first job in broadcasting, to my first job working for a team. So it's really a Valentine, what I think is the best sport in the world. And, you know, like anything you love, though, you know, there's the good, the bad, and the ugly. So the book is really not varnished. Uh, it's not emotional, but it is the, uh, like I said, the good, the bad, and the ugly of what makes hockey the greatest sport in the world. Absolutely. And as I said before, you know, if it did wallow in sentimentality and if it did try to give you that rocky feel-good kind of a thing at all turns, it wouldn't be what it is. It wouldn't carry the authenticity and the realness of it, and it wouldn't grip you in quite the same way uh, if, if you were wedded to uh, that formula as opposed to it being perhaps a jumping-off point. But uh, again, just a really, really wonderful book, and uh, I just want to ask you uh, here as we start to turn for home if there's uh, anything that we haven't talked about with the book that uh, you feel is worth mentioning. You know, we've covered a lot. I, I will say this as process unfolded in writing the book as I kept going deeper and deeper there's probably more of me in that book than I realized until I got to the end of it you know I'm not the most open guy in the world I mean I've got some old friends that are great school friends and we're so good friends and of course I've got family but you know I'm not I'm not one of those guys who's going to tell you their life story but as I as I was working through that book there's there's anecdotal stories in there that happened to me that I attribute to Barzini of course in the book some of the broadcaster stuff that happened to me when I was a broadcaster um, that I attribute to him. Even the, you know, I probably shouldn't say this for public consumption, but even the funeral, uh, the uh, the mascot has his whole funeral laid out and what music he wants to play at his <laughs> funeral when he dies. I mean, that came from me going, you know, I'd like to have this song at my funeral. I like this would make a great exit song. And this would be great. Geez, I wonder if I could get my ex-wife to speak at it. You know, it's not like I said, there's probably more of me in that book than I really intended, but at the end of the day, that's cathartic for me as well. Absolutely, yeah, and it's one of those things that can really help in the creative process as well. Nothing in the end, at the end of the day is going to feel more real than something you've been through yourself. And everything that you were able to pull from in the process of this uh, did create an incredibly authentic and entertaining book. Highly recommended. Uh, to anybody that might be inclined to uh, just want to sit down and have a fun read and lose themselves in this crazy world. The name of the book is Skate or Die. It is subtitled The Last Voyage of the Iceman, author Stephen Violetta. Steve, thank you so much for coming back onto the show. I look forward to the next time we have you on, and congratulations on the success of this, and I hope it sells just a ton of copies. Rick, thanks for having me on. People can find it on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com. And it's available in the uh, ebook as well. Very good. Yeah, hope people check it out in all the different forms available there. Thank you so much, Stephen. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in to FDH Lounge Mini Episode 1497.